Hello, everyone. Welcome to Shout Out with Sage. I'm Sage Stevens. And to give you some background and premise for the show, it is to give gratitude and acknowledgement to those people who have helped or inspired us reach the next level in our lives. My quest is to find moments and people to make LA and the world a little nicer of a place. And with that, I want to welcome my guest today, who is a screenwriter and producer. He has done the boondocks, my wife and kids, everybody loves, or sorry, everybody hates Chris, <laughs> Marvel's Runaways, and he is currently working on HBO's new ser series, Winning Time, The Rise of the Lakers Dynasty on HBO. It's a dramatic look at the glitz and glamour of the 1980s LA Lakers team based on Jeff Perlman's best-selling nonfiction book, Showtime, Magic, Kareem, Riley, and the Los Angeles Lakers dynasty of the 1980s. He is also creating and show running things that make white people uncomfortable. So maybe I should leave my own show right now based on Michael Bennett's book. And today we have a great, great screenwriter with us, Rodney Barnes. Hey, how are you? Hey, how are you? Thanks for joining us today. You're welcome. You're very welcome. Oh, wait. And I also forgot to mention that you received the key to your city I recently. Did. Yes, I did. And how was that? Was that like a throwback <laughs> for you, like a full circle moment? Uh, it was. Uh, you know, I, I probably, I don't think anyone ever would have thought, you know, with me growing up in Annapolis, that one day I'd have the key to the city. Um, <laughs> so it was certainly, it was certainly a surprise, but an honor nonetheless. And was there anyone there that helped you or inspired you to become, like to take the path that you did? Yeah, a lot of somebodies. I mean, it was a full house of people who at various stages of my life in early childhood through high school, through um, early adult, um, a myriad of people who believed in me, supported me, um, said the right thing at the right time or said the thing I needed to hear at the right time to um, help me get to where I get to talk to you today. Right. And what were, I mean, would you like to discuss maybe one pivotal moment? Like, was there a point where yeah. you might, you know, change career paths or something? Uh, there was a period of time when I was in my early twenties where I wasn't really, um, wasn't really headed in a direction. And, um, sort of kind of lost and i had a friend who happened to be there the other night and he said that um i told him i didn't know what i should do with my life and mm -hmm. he said if you could do anything what would it be and i immediately said i would write tv shows and movies and he said just go do that and i immediately came up with a bunch of excuses as to why <laughs> I'm from maryland i don't know anybody et cetera, exactly et Everybody in Hollywood must be a genius and all of this. And I'm not smart enough. No, he said, um, you know, just take one step towards it and see what happens. And I took his advice and one step led to another, to another and to another and to here I am. So people were helping you and inspiring you. And how did that go? Uh, it was a great night. I mean, um, you mean in regards to the key to the city ceremony or yes, in general? Yes, yes. Uh, yeah, it was a great night. Uh, it was great catching up with everyone, and um, it was a really great night. Okay, I see. And um, 
So you recently were nominated for the Eisner Award, which is the Academy Award for comic books, more or less. How did that come into fruition? Uh, I've been writing a book, Philadelphia. Uh, it's about vampires in Philadelphia for about <laughs> two years. And um, one day I got an email saying that we were nominated for an award. Um, and it's a great honor because it's a creator-owned thing. It's not like um, some of the books that I write for established characters in the Star Wars universe or the Marvel universe. It's something that uh, I created along with uh, my illustrator, Jason Sean Alexander. And um, it's really, really great to be recognized by your peers. And, mm -hmm. um, you know, it's always an honor. And especially when you put out a lot of work, I think, Across the board, regardless of the medium, anytime your peers give you any recognition, um, it's always a special place in my heart for that. Yes. And um, what part of the creative process is like the hardest for you and the most fun for you? Uh, well, um, <laughs> I mean, I'm a writer, so all of the writing is difficult to lesser or greater degrees. I mean, the discipline that comes with writing and writing as much as I do, because I write movies, I write TV shows, I write comics, and I do them all at the same time. So the discipline of having to every day sit down and write when, you know, I want to go outside and play like everybody <laughs> else. Um, and figuring out a reason or a way to convince myself to come in this room and sit down and do the work is always the most difficult part. Mm. Do you ever have writer's block or anything? Have Is there ever a time where you like have a hard time thinking up ideas or no, getting it No, it's not so much any writer's block. I mean, it's just times where I face resistance where I don't want to do it. Um, <laughs> and I think a lot of writers um, sort of are hit with that. A lot of times when writers say they have writer's block, it's just mm -hmm. the obstinance or oppositional defiance that comes with not wanting to do it because it's not the easiest thing to do when um, when you don't want to do it. I mean, I was looking for another fancy way of saying it, but <laughs> it really is. Um, it's it's a lonely road to sit in a yes, room by right, yourself. Writings, writing, and, I, I would imagine, because I've written a few things, obviously not at your level. But um, yeah, like you're just sitting there at the screen, you know, trying to find things to say and... Um, what is the where do you get your ideas from like you have so much like when i was doing research i mean you have all these comic books and shows where do you get all that inspiration from for those ideas um i mean the two places i would go to immediately is my imagination and mm -hmm. the second one would be you know i'm, I'm the only child so i spent <laughs> a lot of time watching television and movies and i'm sure just in my subconscious, I absorbed a lot of stuff. Mm -hmm. So between those two working together, imagination and subconscious, I'd say probably that and then maybe even a muse that comes in from time to time to help mm -hmm. me along the way. When you're working on something that's, let's say like with the Lakers, that's based on real people and icons of society and a mythology, how is that a different type of process you like, how do you go about that when it's based on true, like, real-life experience, people? I mean, I think the um, the trying to be empathetic 
when you're telling someone's story that doesn't have a hand in or say in what you uh the way you're telling the story, the things that you're choosing to say about those people. If someone was telling the story of my life and they chose my worst moments, um, <laughs> probably I wouldn't be happy about that. Part. No, exactly. So being able to have a balance of how you tell someone's story to make sure that it's a fully dimensional um, idea of who that person was. And when you do take dramatic license, you take it in such a way that reflects what your research has um sort of given you. That's usually the line that um, I try to walk. Um, it's not always how much, perfect. But sorry. How, how much research do you usually do? Like for the Lakers, that's that's a lot of people involved. And do you interview the actual people? Like, did you go and interview the players and coach it, the coach and all that? Or did you just sort of do research on your own? Um, we didn't talk to the actual people, but we mm. did, everybody wrote a book, everybody except Dr. Buss mm. wrote a book. So we studied all of the stuff that they had out there. There were a myriad of articles. We had technical advisors, we had YouTube, we had a bunch of things um, within the zeitgeist of that period of time right. that we sort of looked to and um, scoured the earth with. Did you ever play basketball? I like, did, yeah. Okay. Were, okay, so were you a forward? Uh, I played center in high school. I played forward in college. Um, I always, you know, I'm six seven, six eight, so I always stayed within that realm okay. of forward center. Right, got you. Did that help you with the writing, obviously, then, since you played basketball? Like, at least um, you have some sense of it? It helped me understand, you know, when you're writing about basketball, it's it's – difficult because you have to be able to write it in such a way that people who don't know the game sort of get what's happening in the game. Right. So being able to understand some of the nuance and specificity of the game itself helped. Um, so I'll say yes, more so than not. I mean, and the reason I pause is because I didn't play on the level that these guys played. Right. You know, they were special. So there's a there's an intangible that's between my where I stopped and where they kept going, going right. that I would never know. So, but to what I know, as far as the basics and fundamentals of the game, yeah, that helped. Okay. Did you always want to be a writer? Was that like an instinctual thing within you since you were a kid? Or was there some outside influence, like someone you knew or anything like that? When I was in high school, I had a journalism teacher give me an assignment and um, I did really well with it. It was a writing assignment. And he told me that if I ever worked as hard at uh, writing as I did with as being the class clown, that maybe <laughs> one day I could be a really good writer. And it stuck in my head. And when people would ask me, when adults would ask me what I wanted to be when I grew up, I would say writer because I had this teacher that validated me and said that um, I did something well. And throughout the course of my life, when it came to English or writing assignments, I had a natural fluidity when it came to mm -hmm. being able to put words together or, you know, mm -hmm. phrases and things. And so, you know, I would say it was always there lurking, but I had other things, you know, play, being an athlete or trying to be an athlete or, mm -hmm. um, you know, just trying to figure out my way. Because like I said before, it, writing just seemed to be too big. Okay, it was just something that you didn't think was in your... I didn't think it was possible. Yeah, 
Gotcha. What would what advice would you give to uh, you know someone beginning their writing career or you know wanting to make that big move to LA? What what's some big tips you would you would tell them to go for? I would tell them to write to come up with a disciplined plan of action to write every day. Um, the discipline of writing, and it seems like a simple thing, but if you can do it for free, if you can go in a room for four hours a day, whether it's midnight to four in the morning or six in the morning to you know 10, if you can figure out a way to put your butt in the seat every single day and write, 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 at some point you will get used to it like anything you do enough and you'll get better at it. And so I would say that, I would say if it's screenwriting in particular, Find writers that you admire, you know, first it comes from movies that you mm -hmm. like, um, and then find, try to find the scripts that were, those movies were based on. And okay. sit down and watch the movie as you read the script and see how the two of them flow together. And mm -hmm. it can help you develop your own writing style. Right. And since we are a music station predominantly, do you, how does music influence your writing? Do you listen to anything when you're writing? Does music, um, like, do you think of music? I mean, I know that's sort of like a director's or, you know, other people also will have their own vision, but does that influence your writing at all? Yeah, I mean, usually with mood and tone. If I'm mm -hmm. writing horror, um, heavy metal, um, <laughs> things that are more melancholy, Things right. that are sadder, like I'll listen to John Carpenter's um, soundtracks to Halloween and different movies and things. Right. Um, you know, if it's something that's a little bit more thoughtful, I listen to Sting. I'm a huge police the Sting okay. uh, fan. It's all according to how I feel. I try to pick things that sort of go with the mood or tone um, that sort of suits what the assignment is. Okay. When you were first starting out, was your family supportive or, or did you have some hurdles there when you're like, oh, I'm going to L.A. and I'm going off, going to be a writer? Were they supportive? Was was that a hurdle for you at all? I think most people had written me off at that point. You know, <laughs> I think um, when you tell people that you're going to go to Hollywood and right. do a thing, you know, yeah, right. OK. Um, I will say that there were a lot of people who, well, some people, I won't say right. a lot. There were some people who, when I got there and things were difficult and I wanted to come home, they mm -hmm. encouraged me to stay and stick it out. And mm -hmm. that was very helpful. But coming out, I think everybody was like, oh, okay, yeah, sure. Good luck. Right, right. See you in a couple months when you... Exactly. <laughs> right. Actually, um, can you explain explain to those that are watching that might not know what a showrunner is like what exactly is a showrunner yeah um a showrunner is a guy very very much like the title who runs the show who decides um the final um oftentimes picks the actors uh mm -hmm. oftentimes decides what the actual story is the end story is going to be um, on some shows, you have a lot of people in a writer's room, and the showrunner is the, the final voice of saying what script goes in to be shot. Um, showrunner kind of oversees everything, um, mm. sort of the god of the show, right. um, with the executive producers sort of being um, demigods or sort of being in position to um, have certain territory that they're under. But... 
yeah, I'd say the head of the show. Okay. What was the, what, going back to the Lakers, what was the hardest obstacle in putting that project together? Um, the sheer magnitude, I think, of the cast. I mean, we have uh, some pretty high profile names on our <laughs> roster and trying to find the narrative real estate to make sure that all of them are serviced and all of them are getting story, you know, some moments to shine. Uh, it's sort of like the game of basketball, making sure that the ball touches everybody's hand. Mm. That's always a difficult thing. Yeah, it's a team sport and you have a lot of different people on the team. Yes. Did you have to get script clearance and um we can touch a little bit on that like did you get have to did all of them have to okay it or did you have sort of a license to express the story the way you wanted to when you say they are you talking i about, mean the basketball team like the lakers and uh, the organization. We, had, we had um there was a certain degree of creative license because a lot of things that were written were either in jeff's book or in other books that we had read and so legally it becomes you know public public knowledge. domain yeah so you can work within the confines of that and we have a legal team that sort of goes through and facts checks and make sure that as a dotted and t's are crossed and if right. you're taking dramatic license it's connected tissue to you know one thing leading to another right um with that uh, when I was doing the research, you were part of the boondocks and there was like censorship involved with um, some of the material. How do you feel about censorship in general as a writer? Do you think, you know, especially right now in society, there's a lot of, you know, cancel culture and uh, like even comedians, you know, are under scrutiny. Do you think that as a creative, like rather a writer or um, a comedian, there should be exemptions sort of, or a little more free reign. Well, I think there's a duality to everything, you know, very mm -hmm. rarely is there one answer to, you know, whether a complex or not question, is, right? yeah, a complex question, whether or not it's right or wrong. It's always right. um, up to the specific instance that you're talking about. Right. I mean, I think um, in a perfect world, of course, you want to be able to say anything that you want to say, but I don't think that's realistic. I think mm -hmm. that, a lot of groups that have been marginalized over the course of time um, now have a voice when they didn't have a voice. Right. So, you know, a lot of what we're calling cancel culture is really people who have been marginalized over time being able to speak up. And express their express reality of the world. Right. Exactly. So there's that. Um, you know, and then again, I come up in another time where a lot of comics, the Don Rickles and Richard Pryor's and Carlin's mm -hmm. and they push the envelope creatively, but I think it has a lot to do with the period of time that we're in. Mm -hmm. um, the only constant in life is change and um, we have to make adjustments until life sort of settles into whatever groove it's going to be until it's into the next groove. So, right. Do you feel a responsibility at all as an African-American to, you know, pay it forward or to help other, you know, um, other African-Americans in writing or in the industry at all? I have a lot of folks that I talk to and I try to do my best to, right. if someone is interested in hearing whatever mm -hmm. I have to say, I try to give them the best of what I have to say, uh, regardless of who they are. Um, you right, know, primarily, right. as you pointed out, yes, I am African-American, so that's the majority of folks who come my way. But anyone you know, who wants to take, you know, hear whatever I have to say, I'm willing to help. I think that, um, 
yes, a lot of folks helped me, and I think it was a long time. Therefore, a long time, I didn't think I really had anything to say that was worthy of uh, listening to, but I've heard enough young writers say, man, I, re- I grew up on your shows, or you know, I'm really, <laughs> right. really old, um, or, uh, and whatever has come with that age, you want to hear it, I'm willing to say it. Yeah, well, when I was looking through, you know, your list of, of, of shows, yeah, like, I mean, obviously, those are in a lot of people's childhoods and have probably, you know, give them nostalgia or, or memories of, of certain parts of their own life. So yes, I'm sure you have a lot of people coming up to you. Do you, what else do you have going on? Are there any other projects you would like to mention right now? Uh, yeah, I mean, I've, I've, I'm looking to my whiteboard. Um, you know, there's winning time. Um, got a couple of series in development at um, HBO. I have a Tiger Woods miniseries um, at some point. It'll come to life. I have uh, the television mm-hmm. adaptation of Philadelphia. Um, I have a few movies in development. I write about 10 different books a month. Um, so what, 10? Yeah, 10 wow. different. Um, I'm writing one. Got one I got to get finished today. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's always something happening, and you know, which is a good thing. But again, sometimes it would be nice to go outside and play. Right. How long, like, what's the shortest time frame for, let's say, a show from idea, conception to actually being visible online or on screen? Like, what's the shortest and what's the longest one? Like, like how there, long of a process can that be? There's no real, it's, it's, a, it's a tough question to answer because <laughs> there's so many variables that can come up to, it took us four years, I think, to develop winning time because of COVID. And okay. You know, whereas other things can live in development for a long time because the network isn't ready to air them or you don't have the right actor or team or whatever, or there's so many different variables. I mean, I've been on shows that have been in development for damn near 10 years, and I've had shows that were sort of greenlit and were on in a couple of weeks. Um, okay. It's, it's different in every case. And what is success to you? What what? Um, being able to continuously work is always sort of the foundation, um, that initial fear of, you know, one day never being able to work. But I think being able to do quality work that sort of moves the needle and how both me as a creative, how I'm able to express myself, but also how it lands with people, you know, Mm -hmm. the things that, um, really touch people's hearts and imaginations Mm -hmm. and they really enjoy you hear that certainly makes you feel better as a creative and helps you stay up until two in the morning and doing this. Definitely. If you're helping people or telling stories that, you know, move people, I'm sure that's a great feeling. And with that, I want to thank you for joining us today. Is there any one you would like to give a shout out to before we, we go? Oh man. I mean, there's so many people I'll just say, you know, to all the folks that, um, have helped me along the way and um, thank you for taking the time out to interview me and um, hopefully thanks. we get to do it again. Thanks. Thanks so much for joining us and sorry about the few technical issues we had, All but, good. <laughs> but we made it through. So cool. All right. Well, thanks again and have a great, have a great day. You're welcome. I'll talk to you soon. Okay. Thanks. Bye-bye.